Anyone? All right, we got a couple. Yesterday, uh, certainly uh, to our due west, at least where we live, there was a pretty vibrant rainbow that I took a picture of, and I didn't include it in our pictures for this week, but uh, uh, it was beautiful. And, and what, uh, what great creativity by our folks, huh? Did you see that? That was, uh, that was yeah, we should... Uh, the pictures and the videos and the story behind that, um, it is great to see God at work um, with our older folks, with our middle-aged folks, with our children, with all of us. Amen? Amen. Well, this morning, we are, of course, looking at the story of Noah, and so I'm just going to read uh, about 14 verses of that rather lengthy story, three chapters or so in all. And I'm going to read this morning from the sixth chapter and verse 9 through verse 22. These are the descendants of Noah. Noah was a righteous man, blameless in his generation. Noah walked with God. And Noah had three sons, Shem, Ham, and Japheth. Now the earth was corrupt in God's sight, and the earth was filled with violence. And God saw that the earth was corrupt, for all flesh had corrupted its ways upon the earth. And God said to Noah, I have determined to make an end of all flesh, for the earth is filled with violence because of them. Now I am going to destroy them along with the earth. Make yourself an ark of cypress wood. Make rooms in the ark and cover it inside and out with pitch. And this is how you are to make it. The length of the ark, 300 cubits, its width, 50 cubits, and its height, 30 cubits. Make a roof for the ark and finish it to a cubit above and put the door of the ark in its side and make it with lower, second, and third decks. For my my part, I am going to bring a flood of waters on the earth to destroy from under heaven all flesh in which is the breath of life. Everything that is on the earth shall die. But I will establish my covenant with you, and you shall come into the ark, you, your sons, your wife, and your sons' wives with you. And of every living thing, of all flesh, you shall bring two of every kind into the ark to keep them alive with you. They shall be male and female, and of the birds according to their kinds, and of the animals according to their kinds, of every creeping thing of the ground according to its kind, two of every kind shall come into you to keep them alive. And also take with you every kind of food that is eaten and store it up, and it shall serve as food for you and for them. Noah did this. He did all that God commanded him. Sisters and brothers in Christ, this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let's pray. God, we are in a time right now uh, here in central Indiana, where it seems most days we are getting at least some rain, some storm. And it is a reminder to us. It is a reminder to us of how you have worked in the past. And it is a reminder to us of how you have covenanted with us. And so we thank you for those reminders that we have of who you are. And we pray today, Lord, that as we think even more deeply about this story, I pray that the words of my mouth, Lord, and the meditations of all of our hearts will be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, 
our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Amen. So it's not surprising that this is one of the most well-known scriptures in all of the Bible. And uh, if you didn't know about it, if those in uh, at least American society didn't know about it, they of course probably knew more about it uh, after the movie came out earlier this year, right? Uh, how many of you saw that movie, Noah, with Russell Crowe in it and others, okay? Several of you, but not that many of you. I don't think it actually did all that well, so it's not surprising. But it was, a, it was an interesting take uh, on the movie to, or on the story, to say the least. Um, but it isn't very surprising, is it, that this particular story so captures the imaginations of children. I mean, it has so many things that children love. It has water, right? And what kid doesn't love water, right? Whether it's going to the pool or, or playing in the bathtub or have you ever been out in a parking lot with a kid after a rain and there's lots of puddles and what do they love to do? Yeah, right? It's so irritating, isn't it? And so, but sure enough, I mean, they love water. They just love getting into water. And of course, what else kids love is they love building things, right? And so, and so here in the story of Noah, of course, you've got this big building project, an ark, right? And whether it's a Lincoln Logs, which is what it was when I was a kid, or, or Legos, or there's lots of other things now I know. People, kids love to build and build and build. And so, so you have water, you've got a building project, of course, and then you have animals, right? And what kid doesn't love a good animal, whether it's a dog or a cat or a lion or a bear, whether it's in flesh or whether it's stuffed or whether it's on the television or in books, kids love animals, right? And so you've got water, you've got a building project, You've got animals. I mean, how could it get any better? Well, it does. Because then you've got a rainbow. And what kid doesn't love a good rainbow? When you're walking around, kids love rainbows, right? The reds and the the purples and the yellows and the greens. I mean, this story has everything that a kid would love. And so it's really not surprising that from the time we are are small and, and as we age, that this is a story that we love. And when I was a kid, it's always kind of painted or pictured in this really kind of idyllic way. I mean, I can remember being at Sunday school and the picture that I continue to kind of have in my mind is there is the, there's the, sh- the, the boat and it's, it's up against a kind of a green mountain and, and, and the animals are frolicking together and the birds are soaring in the air and, 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 and there's a beautiful protective rainbow over it all. It's, it's so peaceful. And, and even the story, one of the pictures in the story from this week from our Jesus Storybook Bible, we saw it up there briefly. It's the, the picture of all all the animals, there they are. There's a turtle who's walking up the trunk of an elephant. You've got, a, you've got an armadillo that's placed just atop a giraffe neck. And, and back in the corner, there's a bear. A bear that is just kind of peering over, right, gently. And then there's Noah with a half smile, just kind of all at peace. Now, there's nothing wrong per se, with teaching our three-year-olds this more kind of peaceful sense of the story of Noah's Ark. But it does speak to something that we've talked about uh, over the last few weeks, about the importance of looking at these stories again, which is that 
that we need to kind of be able to look at these stories, not just as we did when we were three years old, but, but as we do now when we're maybe 33 years old or 66 years old, or I don't think we have any 99-year-olds here, but if we did, 99-year-olds, right? What does this look like? What does this story look like beyond just kind of the idyllic kind of pastoral picture that we were given when we were young? Anytime I think about this particular story of Noah's Ark, and I think I've told some of you this before, I think about uh, the store Ikea. Who, who, who here knows about the store Ikea, right? Isn't Ikea great, right? I keep hearing these rumors that there's going to be an Ikea. I've heard Whitestown. I even heard like out in Anson. Anyone else heard that rumor? All right, I started it. But here's the, here's, the, here's the point is that I'm hoping that it comes true because I love Ikea, right? And I, I always remember, right, my first time at Ikea, it, it was quite the picture, right? I, I walked into Ikea and you immediately you take an escalator, at least the one I went to, and you go all the way up to the top, right? And you go to the top and you walk out and there are these beautiful showcases, right? And, and you start maybe in the living room and I, I'd go in and there was the couch set up just right. And it's so European, so modern, so sleek. And I, I would sit there and then they've got this kind of sweet, kind of black, shiny coffee table. And, I, and, and they almost invite you to put your foot up there, right? And you put your feet up there and then they have this television and, and they have a little remote control. I'm not sure if they have a remote control, but I think they had a remote control. And, and, and I'm sitting there and all of a sudden I'm like picturing myself with my little coffee that I made with my espresso machine that's in my Ikea kitchen right over there. And all of a sudden, I'm just imagining myself and I'm like, this is what life is supposed to be like. And then I I walk over and and there's the bedroom and there's this beautifully comfortable duvet. And and, and really, I mean, literally, you can like climb into it and and you kind of put it that duvet and they they have this nice little safari stand, nightstand right next to you. And and it has a book just there, just like you would like. And you can just dim the the light just a little bit, the cool light and start opening up your book. And all of a sudden you're you're picturing yourself in this this beautiful, idyllic, childlike scene. And you just think, if I had all of these things in in my house, then life would be perfect. And here's the thing, you can. I mean, that's what they're selling is that you can have all of this. And I remember the first time I was there, how excited I was. And what do you, well, what do you have to do first? You have to take these these little tags, right, with a letter and a number. Everyone familiar with that? And so you take this little tag with you, and it says something like A17 or B14. It's like playing bingo or something, right? And so you, you take it, so there I am, and I've got all these little tags, and they're in my pocket, and I think the dreams are about to come true. And then you start taking the escalator. Down, 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 into the bowels of Ikea. And what is before you is not the picture-perfect living room or kitchen, but what? And how many boxes? As high up as a rainbow, quite frankly. Nothing but boxes, and they're heavy, and they've got lots of stuff in them. And you, you sit there, and unfortunately, this is not like a pop-up book, right? Because you take it home, and you open up the box, and guess what does not appear miraculously? The living room or the bedroom. No, what do you have? Hundreds of pieces of wood, and hundreds, and literally hundreds of screws, and, and nails, and, and things that I still don't know what they're actually called. Just stuff. 
And you sit there, and I can remember this very distinctly, and I still had that childlike vision of what was going to be, and then I had this adult-like understanding of how long it was going to take me to get there and what an absolute mess it was going to be. Anyone else ever have that Ikea experience? Some of you still have the boxes, don't you? Yeah. And as I think about that, as I think about the story, the reason why I always think about this story when it comes to, when it comes to Noah is because of the simple fact that there is a big distinction between the childlike vision that we might have of things, the vision, if you will, that even Noah has, and the reality of what it is going to take to actually get there. And a lot of times when it comes to the story of Noah and the ark, all we do is picture the finished product, if you will, and we don't spend the time to think about what it actually would have taken for Noah to get to that place, to that vision that God had given to Because the reality is this, that it would not have been a pretty scene. That Noah had to deal not just with the beautiful ark, if you will, but he had to deal with the reality of the sin of death and destruction that he knew was going to surround him. He had to deal with the fact that he was going to start before ever one rain drop had fallen and start nailing that very first piece of wood and then the next one, and then the next one. And that when he was in the ark, he's going to have to deal with what when it comes to the animals? Yeah, no one even wants to say, right? And then when you're in the midst of the storm and it's still raining and you've been surrounded by the same six people for day after day after day when they're tossing this way and that with the smells that you only know what. And this is the reality of the story of Noah's ark. It's a reality that we don't often like to grapple with. And I think it's the important distinction that I think all too often we don't make between what it means to have a childlike faith. And that's to be able to have this grand vision that God has given you that even when the naysayers say, there's no way this is going to happen, that you continue to believe even when the world around you makes it appear as if there's no way that this vision that God has given you will ever take place. That's a childlike faith to believe in that. It's a difference between a childlike faith and a childish faith. Because a childish faith tells you that you can get there without any trouble, that you can get to that place quickly and without any of the smells or mess. And one of the stories that, one of the things that we have to ask ourselves when it comes to this this story is whether or not we really have a childlike faith or whether or not we have a childish faith. And they are two very different Now, you may say to yourself, well, that's pretty obvious. But I got to tell you, I've been pretty stunned over my lifetime, and especially as I've been a pastor, with how many people, when I'm in a church, keep wanting more of a childish kind of place than a childlike kind of place. What I mean is that oftentimes, you know, you can sit there in conversations and they'll say, you know what, if we could just go back to being like the church back in Acts, 
Right, the church, right, we've talked about this at 2, verses 42 through 47, where, where, where everyone's listening to the apostles' teaching, where they're, where they're gathering together and they're breaking bread together and, and where they're, they're giving to those who have need and where they have the goodwill of all the community. Can't we just go back to that? That's what we need to do. That, everything was perfect then. It was just fantastic. And, and they fail to talk about Ananias and Sapphira who were lying to the church. They, they fail to talk about the fact that Paul and Barnabas, two key leaders, had such conflict that they had to break off and go their separate ways. They, they fail to talk about the imprisonment and the death that was all around them. One of the things that we have to ask ourselves when it comes to these kinds of stories is, is to what vision is it that we are committed? Is, are we really committed to the, the vision of God and, and are we understanding of what it's going to take to actually get there? Because what happens is, if all we have is this kind of childlike vision of the beautiful mountain with the animals coming down peacefully, and we don't understand what it takes for us to get there, then we end up surprised and jaded and cynical. We end up questioning oftentimes, not just the church, but even God. One of the things I love about the story of Noah is, is, are the words of Noah. What does Noah say? You're right. He, He doesn't really say much of anything. In fact, what do we know about Noah is again and again, it says in there that Noah did what God commanded him. I love the fact that it repeats that story, almost as if the author is kind of surprised. Noah did what God commanded him. I mean, you know that in the midst of all of this, that Noah was struggling with believing, and yet Noah kept doing it. He kept hammering. He kept bringing in the animals. He kept going rainy day after rainy day after rainy day. That even in the midst of the struggle, even when they would have been mocking him, that Noah kept going about the vision that God had given to him. The last two Sundays, what we have said is that God loves us and that we have to be able to believe that. And one of the things we know about this story is that Noah, it seems, both understood God's love for him and was willing to accept that and keep following the vision that God had given to him, no matter how smelly or messy it may have been. Now, we here at ZPC, we believe that we have a vision that has been given to us by God. We have, we wrap it up in our mission statement. It's a statement that I've been talking about quite a bit lately in lots of different places because it's important for us to know what it is. And a part of our our mission statement is this, Betsy, if you want to throw that up, to make disciples and to release them for service in our broken world. Are you familiar with that? Have you heard that before? Now, If you just see that, that seems, it's pretty easy, isn't it? I mean, there's something about that when they, I don't know when it was that they brought that forward. My guess is when they brought that forward, people thought, oh, that's great. This is exciting, right? It's a beautiful picture. The problem is it ain't easy getting there. 
I mean, first of all, to try to become a disciple, I mean, being shaped into a disciple is pretty hard work. It's kind of like you, you, you nail in a piece of board, right? You think, okay, I've got this part of my walk done. You walk over to work on something else. You come back and boop, it's come back up again. And you realize you've got to nail that piece back down again. And the other big part of the, the, the difficulty, quite frankly, is that you are not working alone, right? I mean, we said to make disciples, right? Which means that we're called, right? But we have to be disciples with one another. And here's the problem, right? When you get together, there are always going to be coworkers with whom you disagree. We should put this board here, not over here. You should nail it like this, not like that. We should sing this kind of song when we're doing it, not this kind of song. We should do it in this way and not that. This is always a problem. Anyone else ever have problems with coworkers? None of you? Great. And so the reality is we can see that story, okay, to make disciples. Oh, that's great. Of course, everyone can get behind that. But how, once we start actually doing it, it's a whole nother ball game. And that's really nothing compared to the next part, which is to release them for service into our broken world. The problem with the world is it won't just stay in its perfect little stall, right? It gets messy, As soon as you have to start going out into the world and practicing this faith, it always gets messy. And there's often times that the stench in which you are working starts rubbing off on you. Megan says, my car stinks because it leaks. And so she always knows when I go to greet her that I have been where? In my car. I don't even have to tell her. It's just what happens. And if you farmed or you've done anything like that and you've been out, people know that's what happens. And so oftentimes it's why we spend so much time focusing more on what happens in here because we oftentimes will stay in our stalls a little bit better than the world that we don't know. And so inevitably, as you go out there and you start doing this, then we start, it starts getting messy. It starts getting ugly. And what seemed like a perfect little vision, if we could just do this vision, everything would be right. No. In fact, quite frankly, if you are following a vision given to you by God, if everything is going right and there is no mess and it's happening quickly, there's a good chance it's not the vision that has been given to you by God. But there's something else that's important about this story, it seems to me, which is that there's really only way that Noah could really have done this. There's only one way that Noah could have continued to go about day after day after day following this vision. And that is if he knew beyond the shadow of a doubt that it was God who had commanded him to do it. If it was God who had called him to do it. Now, most of us, right, we're always kind of envious of these folks in the Old Testament because it seems that God just kind of spoke to them. But I can tell you, right, that there's no way that, God, that, that, that Noah could have started nailing that nail into that first board amongst the dryness of the desert as the storybook talks about it, amongst the mocking if it occurred, which it probably did, unless he knew for sure that God had called him to do that. There's no way that Noah could have continued even as the storm waters rose up that kept believing and hoping that they were going to survive this unless they knew, unless he knew that God had called him to do this. 
Now, how many of you know that I left out a part of the vision statement? But that's not the whole vision statement. How many of you know that I left out part of the vision statement? Okay, Steve Wright. Okay, we got another one. It's only the Steves that can get this one, that's right. Well, good, I'm glad. This is a good learning lesson then for us. And I gotta be honest with you, oftentimes when I give the vision statement, what I gave up there is all I give to make disciples and release them for service into our broken world. But there's another part to it. Betsy, let's see what the other part is. Called together by God to make disciples and release them for service in our broken world. Isn't it interesting how easily we forget that first part? How quickly it seems what we want to focus on is not what God has done, but on what we are supposed to be doing. But here's what I want you to know. That if we are actually doing that second part of making disciples and releasing them into the broken world, then we're going to get in a heap of trouble if we have forgotten that we have been, first of all, called together by God to do this. Because again, if we are doing those things, then we are going to come into mess and stench and storms. And when those storms come, if we are not convinced that all of us have been called together by God to pursue this vision together, then what's going to happen when that trouble comes? I think that was right. And so one of the things that we have to do is we have to ask ourselves, do we really believe, genuinely believe that we have all been called together by God to serve, to make disciples, and to go into our broken world? Because if we do, then I have all the confidence in the world that we will certainly be able to do the rest of it. But if we are not, and if we are questioning that, and if we are struggling with that, then I got to be honest with you. I think we're going to be in trouble. What we'll end up with is a half-built ark or animals that haven't been cleaned up or people who just simply flee. I think this is the part of the Noah story, I think, that all too often perhaps we simply overlook, but I think we do so to our own demise. And as we continue to move forward as a people, what we have to continue to ask ourselves again and again, and I'm going to keep coming back to this, is whether or not we have a childlike faith that Christ calls us that says we want to take that vision no matter how crazy it is. Or whether or not we have a childish faith that as soon as we start doing this and all of a sudden realize that it's going to take a while and that it's going to get messy, we decide to go someplace else where we can find and just perhaps just simply look at a pretty picture of what could be. My hope again, as we keep coming back to this important image of the fact that we are a family on vacation, right? That maybe we are a family that is on the ark together. That means that, you know what? All of us are kind of animals in one way or another. And that means that all of us are gonna struggle 
But it means that we have to know beyond the shadow of a doubt and believe that we have been called together by God. And if we can do that, sisters and brothers in Christ, then this community, and the community of which we are a part, Zionsville, Carmel, Indianapolis, and this world, will be able to see us as a people who have been released for service to all of them. No matter the trouble, no matter the cost, no matter the smell. Can we view things with that childlike faith? And are we truly called together by God and by God alone? I hope that we are. We will certainly find out as we keep moving towards that vision together. Amen? Amen.